It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rabapudi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, KT here live PSPR Law Studios in Las Vegas, and uh, you're not missing anything NFL. The game's over. Uh, 47 seconds to go. Opening NFL game Thursday night football. SportsX Radio, of course, originating Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday right here at PSBR Law Studios in Vegas. PSBR Law, the best in personal injury in SoCal for a long time. Fourth year here in the Vegas Valley. Over $3.5 billion in verdicts and settlements. The last decade for their client success rate, 99%. Just phenomenal firm. Brian Panish, my good pal, senior partner. Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice. You may not need their help now, but you may need it in the future. So jot the number down, save it. 702, you got down, 830-9353, 830-9353, Brian Panish and uh, the rest of the crew, uh, PSBR Law, that is Panish, Shea, Boyle, and Rabaputi, and they are outstanding. And Roel Rabaputi is a big-time Buffalo Bills fan, like my buddy Andrew Fishfane, like my buddy Noah Parker, the Crooklyn Baller. These guys love their Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills rolling right now. 41 seconds left in regulation. Now 36 seconds. It is 31 to 10 Buffalo. It says first and 10, so I think maybe the Bills just got the ball back. So the game will finish under the total. No sweat for Buffalo as far as the cover. Uh, It was a 10-10 game at halftime. But it was all Buffalo second half. And really was Buffalo, for the most part in the first half, they just shot themselves in the foot several times with turnovers. And uh, that's really, to me, the only way that Buffalo doesn't win the Super Bowl this year. If this team gets hurt or if they turn the ball over, you know, with regularity, they're not going to win. Other than that, I think this team is just loaded. The defense is solid. The offensive line, a couple new guards coming in. uh, So that'll take a little bit of time to get some continuity there. But Josh Allen is real. His arm is outstanding. Doesn't have to worry about Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. So I make Buffalo like everybody else does, the favorite in the AFC. The NFC, yeah, we'll see what happens. I know people still put Brady up on that pedestal. I'm not so sure that Tampa Bay has that offensive line to protect him. And uh, we'll wait and see. He's still the, uh, <clears throat> he's still the GOAT, so uh, 
I'm sure he'll have a say-so. Great show in store for you. My good pal Wayne Krivsky will join me. Now, next week, I think Kriv will be back in Vegas. He's in Hotlanta staying up late now. And, uh, you know, he's looking forward to getting back so he can collect his uh, little 50 spot from KT on the uh, the Brewers-Cardinals debacle. Now, the Brewers did pick up a game and a half on the Cardinals today, but that only brings him within seven and a half games. Remember, we have that little bet, and we made it when Milwaukee was only half game back. And I'm thinking, all right, the Brew crew, they're going to, they're going to give uh, the Cardinals a run for their money. I figured at least it'd be competitive. And as soon as I bet it, the thing was, you know, like my dad said, kiss of death, it's over. Brewers. Now we'll wait and see if this doubleheader doesn't help ignite them to maybe win some ball games, so they can at least make the playoffs. But Philadelphia helped them out tonight. Actually, the Miami Marlins helped them out tonight with two runs in the ninth, and they end up winning. Now Alcantara didn't get the win. He started the game, was actually on the uh, losing side. But Miami comes up with a couple games. And you know what? I actually I didn't didn't check that. I guess because Philly had five runs. I'm assuming. But this is a guy that goes the distance in a lot of these games. So uh, I'll check with Wayne on that. One game is going right now, and that is an 8 nothing lead for the Chicago White Sox over the Oakland A's. But, of course, the, uh, the big news, opening NFL night, the defending Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams at SoFi. And they started out slowly, but they got even 10-10. And, again, getting turnovers. What did Buffalo do? I mean, this is like the first interception, because Allen ended up with two interceptions, was not his fault. In fact, he was 10 of 10, I think, when he uh, threw the ball to McKenzie. And McKenzie had it, but then it popped out of his chest, and he went to go grab it, but it was too late because there was a Ram defender right there, and the ball kind of caromed and went right into the Ram defender's chest. I didn't see who picked it off. I was watching the game with no sound. So that was one interception. And then another one uh, later on. But Josh Allen, 297 yards, three touchdown passes. Now, he was sacked twice, which is a rarity. Uh, Three touchdowns to two interceptions. Again, one definitely not his fault. Allen also ran 10 times for 56 yards and a touchdown. Devin Singletary looked much more explosive than I've ever seen him look in a Buffalo Bills uniform. Now, he only carried the ball eight times, 48 yards, but he was very solid. You'll take that all day, six-yard average. Zach Moss... Had one decent run, an eight-yard run, but the other five carries only netted him seven yards, and he fumbled the ball away. James Cook, one carry, two yards in the doghouse. Why? He fumbled the ball away. So the Bills were busy turning the thing over. Stephon Diggs had a big game, got a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh, He had eight receptions, 122 yards, and a touchdown. Gabe Davis, Gabriel Davis, who had four touchdowns in the Kansas City loss, that wild game. Remember, he had four touchdowns, 220 yards receiving, and nobody talked about it because they blew the game. Uh, Jamison Crowder made his debut there with the Bills. He had three receptions for 28, but Davis four for 88 and a touchdown. Uh, Zach Moss out of the backfield, six receptions, 21 yards. Isaiah McKenzie had the two receptions for 19. Singletary, two receptions for 14. Helps you out if you add him as a fantasy back as well. For the Rams, Matthew Stafford, 29 of 41. Not bad there percentage-wise, but only for 240 yards. So less than six yards per pass attempt or completion, uh, one touchdown and three interceptions. I mean, five interceptions between Allen and Stafford. Boy, that would have been a nice little prop over. Whatever, two and a half interceptions, easily got that done. Uh, Henderson, 13 carries, 47 yards, and that was it. They only had 52 yards on the ground, the Rams did. Cooper Cup, as usual, unbelievable self. 13 receptions, 128 and a touchdown. Tyler Higby had five for 39. Henderson out of the backfield, five for 26. Ben Skoranek who uh, actually finished up at Notre Dame but started at Northwestern 4 for 25. And Allen Robinson, 
making his debut there for the Rams. One catch for 12 yards. That's not going to replace OBJ. Are you kidding me? And uh, 31-10, Bills win it handily. Uh, Terrain Edmonds, outstanding game. Ten tackles for the Bills. Matt Milano, seven tackles. Uh, five of those solo. Edmonds, seven of his ten were solo as well. And for the Bills, how about this? Seven sacks for the Buffalo Bills defense. Seven sacks. Rams had two. Von Miller, Super Bowl champion with the Rams. Trades places. How about two sacks, three tackles for loss in his four solo tackles for the night? And he was in the backfield. So when he wasn't getting to Stafford, he was creating havoc and uh, disrupting things. So again, this Buffalo Bills team, it's only one game, 17-game season. But they have tweaked this team. And of course, the unfortunate situation with Matt Ariza, the punter, because they thought they had really tweaked it as far as getting, you know, maybe the best punter in the game. But of course, that gang rape allegation and all that stuff going on. So they had to cut him loose. And uh, so Hogg, their uh, initial punter, was let go. So they had to turn around and they had to, uh, you know, get another punter. Well, they really didn't need another punter tonight. In fact, I don't need, I forget who they even signed. But the Bills did not even punt the ball one time tonight. Can you imagine that? They didn't punt the ball one time. So, you know, if they weren't turning it over, which they turned it over, you know, several times, they were scoring. Unbelievable game. This Buffalo Bills team is loaded. And the Rams, they've got some uh, going back to the old drawing board, as Wiley Coyote would do so many times on Bugs Bunny. Uh, on the, or at least on Looney Tunes. He wasn't always with Bugs Bunny, but the Roadrunner. And uh, Wiley Coyote, man, I'm telling you, God, if I only had stock in Acme way back then, I wouldn't have to be sitting here right now on a throwback Thursday. But let's welcome in Mr. Wayne Krivsky. Kriv, I know you're on the wrong side of that one. You're, uh, you, you know, you're a pretty good uh, handicapper and pretty good better when it comes to baseball. Football, you had texted me and said, KT, who do you like? I'm on the Rams plus three. I'm like, ah, I don't like anybody. It's a toss-up. But I did. I actually, I mean, I lean Buffalo, but I just wanted to see the game play out. So I said, you know what? Maybe I'll get involved at halftime. Maybe I'll get involved as the game goes on. But I had plenty of money on the U.S. Open tennis, uh, the ladies, the semifinals or you know, so I figured, you know, that would be, uh, you know, something a little bit more interesting. And I got the result that I needed in the first match, which was actually an underdog. Anzi Bohr, uh was a plus 135 against Caroline Garcia. Garcia had won seven straight against top 20 opponents. So she became the favorite, even though she's a 17 seed. Yabor is the five seed, but she took out Garcia in straight sets, six one six three. So I had her parlayed with Iga Swiatek, the Polish queen. I mean, this girl's unbelievable, right? I mean, only one loss in her last 45 matches or whatever. So I'm going, okay, I got the one seed. Sabalenka, the sixth seed, wins the first set, 6-3. Switek comes back, wins the second set, 6-1. But then Sabalenka's up 4-2 in the third to win it. But Switek comes back, wins the next four games, wins it 6-4. So the parlay came in, Wayne Krivsky. So I got your Brewers money uh, for when you get back. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I need uh, I need the White Sox for my parlay tonight to complete it. So uh, uh, that's yeah, it's in the bank. I mean, even Chicago Bill no, couldn't no, blow no, this no. lead. Ain't it? No, are no. you kidding me? Are you, what do you like? Pay until the game's over. It's unbelievable. You know I know, man. But but you you and Mark Hoke, you guys are on. It's eight to nothing. Top five with Dylan Cease on the mound. If you lose no. to the listen, if you lose that lead and they lose that game, I want you. Not to be here next Thursday. I want you to start walking from Atlanta back to Vegas 
because that's how bad. I mean, that you got to do a Jim Rooker. There's no freaking way they blow that game. I know it's only the fifth inning. Eight nothing. Dylan Cease on the mound. That game. Come on, that game's got ten to two written all over it. Sounds like you're ready to pay me for the Cardinals too already. I'll take it if you want. To. I said, I said, I'm ready, man. Get when you get out here. But you know, that's why I figured if you're walking from Atlanta, it'll take you a little longer. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I disappointed in the Rams tonight, but my hometown team, uh, born in Niagara Falls, the Buffalo Bills, they look pretty sharp. I, I was, wasn't all that disappointed. It was just a small play tonight, so uh, I didn't, I didn't lose the bank here, but. I got sucked into the home dog and uh, didn't work. Yeah, a lot of a lot of late money went on those Rams, and Is that I, right? yeah, they ended up closing minus two. Now they were minus two and a half for you know pretty much all week. Bill starting out a one point dog way back when total was fifty two, dropped down to fifty one and a half, went back up to fifty two at the Westgate. And, uh, you know, there it is, 41 points, 31-10. Now, without the turnovers, you probably have 60 points in this game. And Buffalo probably has 40 of them. Uh, that's, I mean, they look like a machine. They have to just keep Josh Allen healthy. They've got to get some yeah. more continuity with the two guards blending in on the offensive line. But, like I said, Singletary looked as good as I've seen him. And the receiving course, Stephon Diggs, he's ready to win. And you can see Gabriel Davis has really stepped up. Knox, a tough offseason losing his brother uh, who had transferred from Mississippi to FIU, but he lost him, uh, just a young kid in his early 20s. So that was tough for uh, Knox. But, you know, he's one of the better tight ends in the league as well. And I was impressed. And Buffalo wins it handily 31-10. to 10. But, again, it's a 17-game season, so you got to keep people healthy. But this Rams defense is still pretty good. So I feel sorry for these other teams that have to go up against Buffalo because that offense, to me, as long as they fix themselves and not turn the ball over, they're going to be nearly impossible to stop. And we talked about Kansas City being like that with Patrick Mahomes, but that's when they had Tyreek Hill. So if KC is still going to be one of those potent offenses that everybody thinks they could be, and they're still the kingpin in the AFC West, they're going to have to get production from Valdez Scantling, from Juju Smith-Schuster. Kelsey, you know he's going to bring it. Uh, pretty good guys out of the backfield as well. But Mecole Hardman, some of these other guys are going to have to step up as well for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so the Bills win it 31-10. to 10. Wayne, what else have you done so far as far as NFL with the opening weekend coming up? Did you do anything with the Raiders-Chargers game? That line right now, staying steady, it was at three and a half Chargers. I'm just going to check on it real quick to make sure it is still there at three and a half because it had gone down to three earlier today, pretty much all around town. And right now I look down and it is at three and a half at the Westgate. Three minus 120 at the Circa. And then there's threes minus juice. And when we say that, folks, that means instead of laying the normal 110 to win 100, you're talking about maybe laying 125 to win 100 if you want to lay just three points with the Chargers. If you take the Raiders on that same deal, then you're going to have to uh, take the three and a half and you're going to have to uh, take a little, you know, take a little juice. Actually, if you take the Raiders plus three, you can get them plus 115 around town if you take them plus three. Otherwise, you take them plus three and a half. But that is a key half point. And Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers, Chuck Gettle, Bill Krakenberger, they'll say, KT, you know how many games in the NFL finish on three. There's no way you don't take that three and a half if it's offered. Westgate offers it right now. Chargers minus three and a half, 52. What about it, Criv? Because I know you dabble in the NFL. Yeah, I, I haven't done anything yet, Ken, uh, for the weekend. I, I, I've looked at the games a little bit, but I haven't uh, made any decisions yet. I, 
I'm pretty conservative, especially early in the year. I, I, I'm going to do more watching than playing the first week, I think. I, you know, 10 home dogs is awfully unusual for the NFL, especially week one. And uh, I, 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 uh, I look that direction oftentimes, and I, I just haven't seen anything that's lit me up yet. And I, I'm, I'm going to wait till Sunday, and it'll be a light, light day for me, I think, by the looks of things. All right, so here's the thing. Now, you're coming back. You'll be back next Thursday, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. so Isco is going to make it in studio. So these two upstate New York guys that are – well, Andy's actually a Long Island guy, but a New York guy as well uh, – that are separated, I think, by 20 hours birth-wise. Yeah. Uh, you two will finally get to meet in person. Andy will join me hour number two. But uh, two guys that really enjoy history in baseball – and Andy, I mean, he loves his sports, but baseball is still the one sport that we can go way back. And Andy's really solid on on trivia and and priding himself to know, you know, the 50s and the 60s. And, and you know, he knows all the other stuff after that. But he goes way back. And I know you do, too. And there's a lot of great ball players back then. Now, I didn't get into, you know, baseball. The first year was actually, you know, uh, 1969. So right after the Tigers beat the Cardinals in 68. But I remember because my dad woke me up when the Mets were clinching the division, the NL East, and they were beating the Cardinals, ironically, and they clinched the NL East, and my dad was, yeah, let me go wake KT up, and uh, he's got to see this. You know, I, I know he's only eight years old, but he's got to see this. You know, he'll remember this forever. So little does he know that I was, you know, right there down by the little crack uh, by the bottom of my door, had the door shut, and I hear his lazy boy chair, you know, folding down. So now I know he's getting up. So I'm like, oh, no. So I got to get in bed, and then I got to turn towards the the wall there and uh, towards the windows and pretend I'm sleeping. I, I'm not sleeping. I've been listening to this game, you know, crouched down by that door for the last several, you know, probably two hours. And uh, so the old man, you know, wakes me up because shaking me and I'm just like playing it off and then wiping my eyes and all this. Get out there. And there I am watching the uh, top of the ninth or whatever for the Cardinals or the bottom of the ninth, wherever the Mets. I don't know if they won it at home or uh, clinched it on the road, but they got it there. And, and I'll, I'll never forget as a, as a kid, all of a sudden they're going to the playoffs and my dad's explaining how big that was. And then they go and they sweep the Atlanta Braves with Necro and those guys. And the Mets went with uh, Seaver, Kuzman, and Gentry, and they swept them. And then they get to the World Series against the Baltimore Orioles, and thank God Mark Hoke's not here because the Orioles win game one, and they had that powerful team. My dad's like, ah, oh, they got the – and, of course, I had no clue, you know, and then he's like – and they got Brooks Robinson and Frank Robinson and, and Boo Powell and all these guys. And I'm like, I go, uh, I go Brooks and Frank. I, I go, are they brothers, Dad? And he's – uh. Uh, no, son, not really. Uh, they're, they're not, you know, so he didn't even explain that one was black, one was white. You know, I had no idea, you know, I hadn't seen them. And then of course I got they to see Seaver in that game, right? Ken, didn't they beat Saver? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. I, they, they did. And I think it was, I'm not sure if it was Quayar. I think it was Quayar that beat him. Uh, might've been McNally. And, uh, they had the four twenty game winners with, uh, Dobson and, uh, Palmer on that squad as well. Uh, but the Mets won the next four and, uh, some yeah. phenomenal catches and they were, you know, the miracle Mets. And uh, won that World Series. So that, as a Mets fan, we only have two World Series. And the 69, I was a little kid, but I remember it vividly. But then the 86 World Series, you know, I mean, and that may have to carry me. I'm hoping this team, Wayne, can get around some of the injuries, hold off Atlanta, and uh, have a shot to get to the series. Now, Scherzer's on the 15-day IL. I'm concerned. 
Uh, but then I'm thinking maybe it's precautionary. They want to make sure he's okay for the playoff run and maybe for that Atlanta Braves series that'll come up in a couple weeks. So right. where where are you now? The Mets rebounded nicely. Uh, they're getting good pitching from Bassett, excellent pitching from DeGrom. Carrasco and, and uh, Ty, Taiwan Walker are both struggling mightily. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, I almost want to take those guys out and, you know, bring somebody else in there. And we've gotten some quality starts from Trevor Williams and – and uh, Peterson. So tell me what I do. What do you do? What does Buck Showalter do? Because the Mets and the Yankees have been in first place since April. And, you know, Atlanta tied them, but then the Mets had the doubleheader. So even though Atlanta won yesterday, the Mets won too. But, yeah. I mean, they, they got to take care of business. And it's a big weekend for them because they go to Miami, they play the Marlins three, and they're hoping they're going to get some help from a team that's pretty hot that you beat me on a bet earlier in the year, and that's the Seattle Mariners. They're at home against the Atlanta Braves. So uh, your yep. take now, where, where are you as far as this Mets-Braves yeah, battle? I, yeah, it's a good one, Ken. I, I, as you know, I've been on the Mets bandwagon all year. This latest injury to Scherzer is definitely a concern. I, he's got some fatigue in that left side. He doesn't think it's a strain or anything. It's just tired. It just needs some rest. And they really want to win that division. That's just huge to set up your pitching. Uh, although, you know, it's not good to have three or four days off either necessarily, but it does give you an advantage setting up their rotation. And the Mets, I think they really need that. I think it's important for, for them to win the division. Obviously, Atlanta wants to win it for the same reason. It's going to be a heck of a race. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I still lean Mets. I guess I'm not backing off right yet, but I am concerned about Scherzer. I think the keys right now are Carrasco and Walker. You mentioned it, Ken. Those two guys are capable and have had uh, plenty of uh, positive outings this year. And Carrasco's coming back from an injury, I think, to his side as well. Taiwan Walker looked like he was uh, had no interest in pitching on Monday. He just looked lackadaisical. He didn't look like he had a lot of energy. That was disappointing in a in a big game after losing two in a row to Washington. They needed to beat Pittsburgh, but... Fortunately, they rallied and won the doubleheader. Uh, I still like the Mets. They're going to miss Alcantara here this weekend, so they catch a break in the rotation uh, down there in Miami with with Sandy going tonight against the Phillies. So uh, the Braves are playing great ball. I think they're playing like 700 ball in the last 120 games or something like that. Or no, not that many. Uh, maybe 80 or 90 games. The Mets are playing about 600 620 ball in the same stretch so it, it's really the story's been the Braves the Mets aren't aren't in my mind they're not they're not collapsing by any stretch the Braves have just caught them playing unbelievable baseball for about the last three months yeah you, well you could uh, say that Wayne but but when you lose games especially consecutive you're no yeah but no when you when you lose games to teams that are 50 games under 500 back to back and that, that, that's ridiculous there's no reason for that you're too good a team to drop three out of four to two teams that are you know just putrid i mean the pirates yeah but then they, uh, come then on they won the doubleheader though they they won the doubleheader they shouldn't have lost those games at home to washington that 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 hurt i you give them a mulligan here. I, I don't know. They. I was surprised. I thought they'd come back Monday and uh, and really have a good game after the two losses to Washington. They just. They've been a little spotty with their offense. Alonzo and Lindor are. You know, maybe they're feeling it a little bit. They might need a blow here one day to catch their breath. They're both fading a little bit, and that's hurt their lineup. Marte, 
got hit on the hand. I I I don't haven't heard if he's on the IL, Ken, but I've never seen a guy get hit more than Starling Marte in all my years of scouting. He got hit on the hand. He's just a diver, and he can't. He doesn't know how to get away from pitches, and he's been hit on the hand so many times in his career. When I saw it the other day, I said, "Oh man, that's another tough break for the Mets." But maybe maybe he's okay, and he'll be in there tomorrow. Maybe it was just a bruise, but. They've had a heck of a year, and I, I still think they got plenty left in the tank. Showalter's, he's going to stay on him, but I really think Carrasco and uh, and Walker got to pick it up here while Scherzer's out. Yeah. they got to win some games. I'm not so sure I want both those guys in the rotation. Uh, like I said, I may put Peterson in there and even a spot start to Trevor Williams. Uh, well, the- Peterson's in there now. Yeah, he's in there now with Scherzer out, I think. Uh, uh Williams seems like he's their kind of their long man right now and six starter. So I, he, I think he went maybe five in relief in one of those games uh, recently. Uh, but I, I still think the Mets are in pretty good shape. They got to go down there and take care of business though against Miami, and who's really struggled to score runs of late until tonight, I guess. Uh, but they miss Alcantara, and, and and that's big. Yeah, so. and Alcantara Alcantara did only go six innings tonight, but right. he got you know. Off the hook as far as uh, a loss, and that's key. Although it looks like the Cy Young pretty much wrapped up. I mean, you still have, you know, four weeks to go. But at the end of the day, I mean, as long as this guy, you know, just uh, splits out, uh, I don't see any problem. Unless he lost his last four decisions badly or something. I mean, still, even then, I, you know, there's nobody really that's there, you know, that's. No, there was some gonsolin talk, but he's hurt. And even. Even before he got hurt, the guy hadn't really thrown that many innings. You and I spoke about that, too. He was averaging about five innings a start, and El Contra had seven, and El Contra had about 72% of his starts were quality, and Gonsolin was under 50%. So you look, take a little deeper dive into some of the numbers. El Contra's just been a horse as far as throwing innings, and we're not going to see many pitchers get 200 innings, Ken, and it's sad to me that starting pitching is – the bar's been lowered so much that if you, some of these guys people are talking about for Cy Young consideration aren't even going to qualify for the ERA title. And I, I just think uh, it, it's too bad the way the game's gone where these starting pitchers aren't being extended. And I think last year there were only four, four or five that had 200 innings in both total in both leagues. And I think it's going to be fewer this year, which, you know, it's a bad trend. I'd like to see that turn around. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, I really get—I I don't know—I I really get upset the way that yeah, the things are gone have gone. You know, you you figure with the medical technology and whatnot that guys would want to play more. And you know, I I know when I pitched, you know, back when I was young, you couldn't get me out of a game. And and you know, that's why I, I like an Alcantara. I mean, I'll root for him. I don't care if he's on Miami. I like to see a guy that's like, look, I'm going out there and I expect to finish this game. And you know, Verlander on the shelf. A little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, he's pitching. You know, a lot of games. You know, past the seventh inning, I I liked, and he's an old man. I like to see that where guys are like, you know what? I feel good enough. I know there's a a mythical pitch count. You know, you get to a hundred, and like, God forbid, oh my God, are you kidding me? It's uh, at a hundred. You know, it's like, are you kidding me? Come on, man. 
I mean, some yeah, of these guys, some of these young guys should be able to, you know, throw 120 pitches and not even, you know, they're on the on the great diet. They got the great workout. I mean, think about the baseball bodies back in the day. You know, those guys didn't work out like most of them worked another job in the offseason just to make ends meet. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, so you didn't have all these guys watching the. you didn't have the nutritionists. You didn't have, you know, all the the incredible uh, technology as far as working out the body and this muscle set and this doing this. And, yeah, and they got over, it all. We over, yeah, we overdo a lot of that stuff for me, Ken. I, I think there's such a thing as having flexibility, long muscles, looseness, you know, uh, good baseball muscles, not bulk muscles, in other words. It's, sure. Uh, Baseball's a marathon, and it's, and it's a lot of repetition. And, and uh, the guys that are – I think uh, there's too much weightlifting, I think, going on. It, it, the offseason's for building strength. You don't really – I'm not a big believer in – you're not building strength during the season. If you haven't built it in the offseason, so it's more to maintain and to maintain your looseness and flexibility during the year. And uh, you want to keep those muscles long and loose, not – not not tight, not wound tight. That's when you – and so many guys now are just max effort pitchers. I, they're really max effort throwers. They're not pitchers like you and I uh, remember uh, that Orioles staff or the Mets pitchers. The, you know, every every pitch is max effort, and that's when you're going to get hurt. The body's not meant to uh, to handle that. And the, so uh, there, there's there's a lot of issues in the game. It's, we can't cover them all tonight. But, man, there's, there's a lot of things that I'd like to see change or, or go back – the, the way things were done in the past. You know, Wayne, the only guy that, you know, if he had the amount of innings, the way that he's pitched of late that would give Alcantara a run for his money would be Zach Gallen. I mean, this guy has been phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, what a great combination. And Merrill Kelly blew his last start when he had a 5 nothing lead against the Padres. But, I mean, Torrey Lavella has got to look and say, you know what, I know we blew that game and we were on our way to possibly getting to 500. I'm impressed with what Arizona's done because last year they were the laughing stock. They had two 13-game losing streaks, I think, like in a 30-game span. It was ridiculous. And uh, to see that team, you know, be competitive and get quality pitching from Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly, two guys that both have their ERAs under three, and Zach Gallon's ERA is at 2-4-2. He's 11-2. and uh, Kelly yeah. is 12 and five. So, you know, between those two guys, you're 23 and seven. That's pretty impressive for Arizona for a team that, you know, doesn't hit the ball, you know, great. Uh, but they get some timely hitting at times, but you know, for Lavello, who probably should have been fired last year, but got a le- new lease on life and they gave him another year. Uh, you know what? I'm glad they did. Cause he's, uh, he- he's got this team going in the right direction. Well, you mentioned two pitchers right there, Ken. Perfect example. Zach Gallon. Merrill Kelly, they're pitchers. They're not throwers. They know what they're doing. They change speeds. They've got good breaking stuff. They got late movement. They throw strikes. They work fast. And uh, they're not. You're gonna not gonna have 13 game losing streaks this when you have two guys like that this year. And I, you know, I, I guess if Gallon goes on and he breaks Hershiser's record this year, I, could he make a late run at the Cy Young? I, I guess it depends on how El Contra finishes up. But I. I really think it, it's it's obviously Sandy's to lose, and uh, I don't know. Gallon hasn't had a lot of steam here all year. He's been very consistent, but nothing spectacular. But what he's doing right now is is probably catching some voters' eyes. And uh, if he were to go on and finish out the season unscored upon, uh, that might make for an interesting vote. Yeah, no doubt. Urias, of course. Uh, you, when we look at uh, the Dodgers, you know, we think of Gonsolin. 
And, you know, we just say, okay, that, that, that pitching staff is, is, is pretty darn good. Gonsolin, Tyler Anderson. But it's Urias that's actually atop the NL with a 2.29 ERA, 15-7, and seven, but he's only thrown 145 and two-thirds innings. Uh, his whip, too, is, is, is under one, .95. Alcantara's uh, whip, and, of course, for you folks out there, that's walks and hits per innings pitched, uh, is at one even. Anytime you get somebody that's at one or right around one or lower – and uh, Zach Gallon is actually at uh, .92. So once you get there where that combination of walks and hits per innings pitched is under one or at one or right around there, uh, they're having a pretty good year. Wayne Krivsky is our guest. We're going to keep Wayne until the top of the hour. Going to take a break. Wayne has gone to the Preventative Diagnostic Center. KT talks about it all the time on his show. And uh, Dr. John Pearson Company, they've been doing it for a long time here in the Vegas Valley. And we're very fortunate that we have the only scanner of its kind in the region that gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart and lung disease, cancers. I mean, it's a phenomenal thing to have right here in your backyard. Call the Preventative Diagnostic Center. You can call now, leave a message, schedule that free educational consultation. They'll give you a buzz back tomorrow. You got the 702 down for Vegas, 534 7900 534-7900, 534-7900. You let them know Ken Thompson Sportex Radio sent you. Again, the comfortable scan takes just a few minutes. You get a detailed report a few days later from a board-certified radiologist. CT scan, heart CT scan and calcium score special. Doesn't get much better than this. Get in there. If you're between the demographic 40 to 72, get in there. Make that appointment. Guys especially. Look, uh, ladies, I, you know, you too. I want you to get in there. But guys, I know you drop dead of those, you know, those widow makers, those heart attacks. That's why they call them the Widowmaker. Don't let those arteries clog up. Get in there for that heart CT scan and calcium score. It's $125. It's a $600 value. Oh, and by the way, bring your significant other. $125 for both of you. Total, $125. Doesn't get better than that. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. And you can go to the website. Check things out. PDCenterLV.com. PDCenterLV.com. Call the Preventative Diagnostic Center. 534 534- 7900. Ken Thompson, Wayne Krivsky. We're going to talk some more baseball when we come back. I'll update you on the WNBA final set to roll right here in Vegas on Sunday. Best out of five. Who will it be? The opponent for the Las Vegas Aces, Mark Davis, trying to win a couple titles this year. Can we get the WNBA down first? And then we'll work on the Raiders who open up in LA. Ken Thompson live from PSBR Law Studios. Angelo running the show. We'll be right back live from Vegas. That song gets really good. I love those guys. I mean, they do a great job. They're actually going to be here in Vegas in October. A uh, big reggae concert going on. But I love that stuff. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy the reggae big time. And Revolution, Iration, Dirty Heads, and, of course, uh, Stick Figure. Those are the KT's four. Uh, but there's another one, Pacific Dub. And they have a couple really good songs. I was turned on to them just a few days ago. So some mellow music coming back here. SportsX Radio. Uh, Ken Thompson, Wayne Krivsky, Andy Isco joins me. Hour number two, we'll talk plenty of football with AI. And, of course, he's my proxy 
Uh, me and Chuck Edel getting a couple entries there in that Westgate contest. And a lot of great contests all around town with all the uh, different casinos and sports books. So get in there. Uh, I, I don't know if you can catch Andy. Tomorrow's going to be really the last day to uh, get a proxy. Maybe he can meet you. Uh, you know, somewhere if you still need a good proxy. But there's several of them around town, and most of those contests will start. If it's college football, they'll start up on Saturday. If it's uh, college and pro combination, we'll still start up on Saturday. If it's uh, the pro games, they're going to start up on Sunday. Now, some of them started tonight. If you were going to put your entries in uh, any of the NFL contests, then you would have had to have all your selections in with the uh, game being inclusive tonight. So if you like Buffalo, and I hope a lot of you did, and you played Buffalo, then you got off to a good start. If you played the Rams, then uh, you probably should have waited till Sunday. But uh, that's where we are. SportsX Radio talking some baseball now with our good pal Wayne Krivsky. Wayne, a former general manager in the big leagues and executive, and he's, uh, he's wore a lot of hats over there in the big leagues. 41 years dedicated a youngster at a Duke that couldn't play basketball. Coach K wasn't there, so he decided that uh, baseball was going to be his ticket to the big time. And now he has uh, really hit the jackpot because he's with his better three-quarters, Donna, back there, the cookie lady, back in Hotlanta. All right, Kriv, uh, let's go over the uh, the divisions here and kind of see where we're at. The Mets, of course. Right. And by, by the way, Washington has won six of their last nine. They beat St. Louis today 11-6. And the Cardinals were fortunate to get a five-run ninth yesterday to avoid losing two out of three to Washington, just like the Mets did. So, uh, you know, Nationals, sometimes that happens, Wayne. And I remember the Mets. The reason yeah. I said, the reason I was talking about that, I remember them, you know, several years back where they all they had to do was kind of split out against Washington and the Florida Marlins. And both those teams were doormats back then. And they couldn't. And not only did they not split out, I think they lost like 80% of those games down the stretch and they ended up not making the playoffs. So that's why, you know, sometimes, you know, when you only have those two World Series. But look, I get it. There's teams that have never, that have never won a World Series. So I'm not, I'm not whining too much. But I'd like to see the team at least get that opportunity to uh, be a division winner because the Atlanta Braves are going to be tough and I'd like to see them have to play that extra series. So we'll see how things pan out. But right now, let's go. What about the Yankees? They come up with a doubleheader win yesterday. In fact, I don't know the last time. I, I said I was going to try and find out. I did. I actually Googled it. Like, when's the last time the Mets and the Yankees both won doubleheaders on the same day? And I could not find that answer. That's so maybe, yeah, maybe Isco yeah. will find that for me before he comes on hour number two. But what's your take on the Yankees now? They're trying to, you know, get things back together. I mean, Garrett Cole's ERA has been really solid, you know, under 2.2 in his last, you know, five decisions. But, you know, he's only two and four or whatever in his last six decisions, two and four to something like that. So they haven't really scored for him. And teams do that sometimes, Wayne. They see who's pitching and they take for granted, ah, we only have to get three runs today. And that's happened to, you know, DeGrom and Scherzer and a lot of good pitchers, Alcantara, uh, you know, to where teams haven't scored for them. Uh, but what about your take on the Yankees? Can they regroup and get this team rolling? You know, I, I know they're going to be playing teams that are over 500 and they played a lot of teams under 500 in their early April and May schedule. But can they get it together to where they at least hold off the Tampa Bay Rays because the Rays are only four and a half back, 19 games over 500. And I know you got there under the Rays. They're 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 killing you right now. Yeah, this last this last two or three week stretch, Ken, is real. I thought I was in good shape a couple weeks ago, and now they're going to make me really sweat it. They, they've got they have a real difficult schedule from here on out, though. I I think the Yankees hang on in the division somehow. They're going to play each other a three game series this weekend in New York. 
But I'll tell you, you look at the, that Yankee lineup tonight, and you got Isaiah Kiner-Falefa hitting fourth. I mean, something's wrong. They, they're really – they've had injury Ever since Matt Carpenter went down, who would have thought Matt Carpenter going down would be uh, – you know, would decimate – not decimate, but hurt their offense. you got Rizzo, who's out. Ben Attendee just went out. That's three left-handed bats that are – Really key to their lineup, and you got Stanton who's hurting too. He's not doing anything. Lemayhu just went on the IL with a toe problem that he's been trying to play through. That's five big league hitters there that they're not playing. They're they're calling up guys from Scranton. The kid Cabrera has had some moments for him. Oswaldo Peraza is a nice looking prospect. He's in there, but tonight, you know, kind of Aaron Hicks let off, which he's done that in his career, but he hasn't hit this year. It, a lot of a lot of minor league players in that lineup and guys without a lot of punch and uh, I mean they're they're hurting right now offensively with that lineup. If Tampa Bay could go in there and win the series, it'll get interesting for sure. I uh, I don't know that I see them catching the Yankees, but I, it, it wouldn't shock me. Put it that way at this point with what the Yankees are throwing out there, especially right. their lineup. All right, let me let me ease your mind a little. Fourteen nothing White Sox top six. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you, good. Are you good? Are you? You think yeah. you're okay? Yeah. I think I'm okay there. That's be- 14's better than eight, right? Yeah. Well, for, well, it is. You know, <laughs> I four, 14 runs, 18 hits for you in All Chicago. Right. Bill hey. tonight. Hey, I'm telling. Be careful of the White Sox right now, Ken. This is a team oh, that's no. been a head scratcher the whole year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hear me out on this one. They got a soft schedule here, and they the schedule's right there in front of them. They have uh, what is it? 14. 14 of the remaining 24 are against teams below 500, and they've got 10 games against Cleveland and the Twins. So it's this is right there for the White Sox taking. I think Cleveland is going to hang on, but the, the White Sox on this West Coast trip are are playing well. That was such a big win yesterday in Seattle. Uh, down four to nothing, and Luis Castillo punched out the first seven guys of the game, and it looked like it was going to be a long day for them, and they come back and win the game 9-6 overcame a 4 nothing lead. So there's something going on in Chicago. Uh, Miguel Cairo's kind of the interim manager now, and uh, it seems like he's had a positive effect on this team for whatever reason. And certainly hope Tony La Russa gets healthy and everything. But the White Sox, it's right there for them. They might win the division with 84, 85 wins. Uh, I think Cleveland will hang on, but uh, be careful of the White Sox right now. I don't know what kind of price is up there, but that might be worth a little flyer. Yeah, so the schedule's right there in their favor. And they'll go to two games over 500. They'll pull within a game and a half. They'll be tied with the Twins, who actually did win today against the Yankees 4-3. to uh, Cleveland really floundering 3-7 and seven in their last 10, so just five games over yeah. 500. So I agree with you. I mean, we've been waiting for the White Sox all year long. I mean, they've won, after tonight, seven of their last 11. Can they continue to play good baseball? I think if they can play 550 baseball, you know, the rest of the way, that may be good enough if Cleveland and Minnesota continue to tail out. And Minnesota's a weird team. I mean, every time you think yeah. they're done, they'll go on a five-game winning streak. And then when you think they're going to be competitive and have a chance to go ahead and get back into first place, then they'll flounder and go four and six in their last ten like they've done. So we'll yeah, see how – We've got some interesting series this weekend, Ken. Tampa Bay and New York, Cleveland's in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's in Seattle. That's an interesting – that'd be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, that's uh, a good – I'll be watching that. I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping those little Mariners, now I, Now that I paid off that bet, that uh, they're going to come through. And there's 17 games over 500. So, you know, when you look at what Seattle's done, 
you know, Tampa Bay's playing outstanding baseball. I mean, it's not just the Astros and Yankees right now. They've got to be leery. At, and, you, and you make a good point, excuse me, on the White Sox, that they will be dangerous in a short series. They have some good pitching. They have some timely hitting at times. So we'll wait and see. And that would make uh, my buddy Chicago Bill's day if the White Sox can sneak in and get that AL Central because more than likely that's the only way. Well, you're only going to get one one playoff team out of the Central, and who's it going to be? And right now the White Sox. Yeah, right now, yeah, if they won it, I think they would, they'd have home field okay. uh, with the three seed, and they'd probably play Toronto. It'd be Toronto or Seattle. It's it, those three teams: Tampa, Toronto, and Seattle are all within a game or game and a half yep. of each other. So yeah. Okay. So so uh, let's jump over to the National League. Uh, Cardinals look like they're in again a seven game. Uh, I'm sorry, an eight game lead over Milwaukee, but Milwaukee back to eight games over 500. So Brewers eight games over 500, but they've got to do better than that. Now Philly lost tonight with four, uh, Miami getting two in the ninth. And that takes them out of the tie. They were deadlocked with San Diego, both 14 games over 500. But the Phillies now are just 13 games over 500. So the Padres a half game lead for the first wild card, and then Philly, or I'm sorry, Atlanta's got that first wild card. Then, then, uh, then San Diego, and then Philly a half game behind yeah, the Padres. So yeah, they flip flop tonight. Yep. So You're three, right. yeah. So three games back, real or two and a half back is what uh, Milwaukee is uh, with the Phillies. They've got two and a half back. Uh, they, they've got to somehow get it together, the Brewers, and maybe this doubleheader win today can help ignite them. You told me their schedule is somewhat weak down the stretch. They've got 138 games. Uh, they're 11 games over 500 at home, three games under 500 on the road. What about the Brewers? Do they have it in them to get this thing together and at least push Philly and San Diego? Yeah, they're going to need some help, Ken. They got three against Cincinnati this weekend at home, and then they got two games in St. Louis. And then they got three against the Yankees and three against the Mets back at home uh, the following week. So a little bit of a tough stretch here, but the Yankees aren't playing well uh, and the Reds aren't. So, uh, and then they'll get the Mets at home. Then they go to Cincinnati for four. I mean, it it does, uh, they finish up with Miami and Arizona. So at at home and they're a much better team at home. Milwaukee is and, uh, they're going to need the Padres or one of those two teams to slip up here. The Padres or the or the Phillies. It, obviously, Atlanta's in. So that's a pretty that's going to be a pretty good race right there. The Brewers got to make hay this weekend, and they had a tough road trip going two and five to Colorado and Arizona. That didn't help any. Uh, but they got off to a good start uh, today with the doubleheader. It's just a one day stop for the Giants, and now Cincinnati comes in for the weekend. So big weekend series for the Brewers. They they need to get all three. I think. No doubt. Uh, real quick, uh, got about a minute. Charlie Morton, Robbie Ray tomorrow night. Morton minus one fourteen, seven and a half the total. You touching it? That's uh, Morton at in Seattle against Robbie Ray, huh? Yep. Uh, what's what's Morton's favorite? Yeah, minus one fourteen at the Westgate. Oh, that's yeah, that's very tempting on Seattle. There, I might have to take a look at Robbie Ray as a dog at home. All right, we'll uh, we'll we'll take that as a lean. From Wayne Krinsky yeah, on a, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an. In, I'm surprised they're favored 140. It's Morton's favored that much. All right, Minnesota, real quick, minus 108 against Cleveland. Quantrill on the hill for the uh, for the Guardians against Minnesota. Bundy minus 108. Got about 30 seconds. Who do you like in that one? Yeah, I, I, Quantrill's been pitching well. I kind of like Cleveland there. I'm not a Bundy fan. Uh, Twins coming off that tough Yankee series. 
Uh, that might be a tough game there. poncho uh, has been pitching like one of the top three starters for Cleveland, so I would I would lean that way at first blush anyway. All right, Kriv, uh, you have an awesome weekend. Have a safe trip back. I'll see you in studio next okay, Thursday Dan. with Andy Isco. My best to Donna, and uh, appreciate yep. you as always, Kriv. Go get some sleep. Yeah. You're the man. See you next week, Ken. Thank you. Great stuff from Wayne Krivsky. And uh, our number one about in the books. But I did tell you, I'd let you know who the Las Vegas Aces would be playing on Sunday. How about Connecticut, the Sun? They've never won it. They have more playoff wins for any WNBA team that's never won the title. They got there tonight. They were losing to Chicago. They were down seven points. They ended the game on an 18-0 run. So they were actually down nine. They win it by nine, 72 to 63. They will be here in Vegas, best out of five against the Aces, starting up on Sunday. That'll do it for hour number one. Hour number two, my good pal Andy Isco will be joining me. 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side, KDWN. Angelo running the show. You miss any part of the show, the archives up by 11 o'clock Pacific time. We're live from Vegas. We'll be right back. Hour number two. Keep it right here. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, KT back here, uh, getting a little sip of water here, getting ready for hour number two. I don't know why I need the water. I'm not going to be talking that much. Andy Isco, the guest, hour number two. You know how that goes with KT. But uh, we got, let's see, the one game still going on the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Uh, White Sox 14 nothing. My goodness. I, you look at it and it popped up. It looked like that football score, right? White Sox over the A's, top seven. Dylan Cease in control, three-hitter. White Sox had 18 hits. Last time I looked. So, as my dad would say, you know, if the Mets were winning, you know, 11-1 or something, save some for tomorrow. Save some for tomorrow. I always remember him saying that. And sure enough, yeah, the Mets would get one the next day or get shut out. You know, and you're like, yeah, should have saved some for tomorrow. All right, Andy Esco, be with me in just a sec. Let me update uh, the scores because I didn't give them all when Wayne was on before. But Minnesota did beat the Yankees 4-3. to Sonny Gray on the hill there for the Twins. They get back to two games over five hundred. Again, a White Sox win, which is uh, imminent at this point. Uh, White Sox and Minnesota will be tied both a game and a half behind Cleveland in the AL Central. 
National League, Washington 11-6. They took out St. Louis handily today. Cincinnati a 4-3 win at Wrigley Field over the Cubbies. Corbin Burns in Milwaukee. They win the first game 2-1 against San Francisco. They come back, win the nightcap 4-2. And uh, Miami, 2 in the ninth, beats Philadelphia by a score of 6-5. Alcantara, the starter, didn't pitch well for the fish, but uh, as we talked with Crib, uh, still on the way for a potential Cy Young. And then in the WNBA, Connecticut 72, Chicago 63. Again, the Suns scoring the last 18 points of that game, holding the defending champion, Chicago Sky, scoreless the last four minutes and 45 seconds on their home court. That was the best of five, and that was game five from Chicago. So WNBA, uh, nobody's repeated there as far as uh, winning a championship. And uh, I I don't think maybe way back when, but it's been a long, long time since anybody's repeated in the WNBA. So the Las Vegas Aces will be hosting Connecticut right at the Michelob Ultralight Arena at the Mandalay Bay starting on Sunday. And uh, looking forward to that because Becky Hammond's done one heck of a job and they just come off winning two straight games in Seattle. Very difficult place to win. T.C. Martin, my good pal, does a great job calling the Aces games. So if you can't be there, pick him up on the radio on uh, ESPN Radio 1100. They'll carry all the games. Bills 31-10, to 10, and that's where I'll start with my good pal Andy Isco. Andy, by the way, is my proxy, me and Chuck Edel, for the Westgate Super Contest. Got a couple entries in there. And do not forget, the Westgate Super Contest is back, and it's back better than ever. It is the ultimate pro football handicapping challenge, and it's back for its 35th year with more ways to win and over $1 million in guaranteed prizes. This year's Super Contest features 11 in-season contests, including two nine-week contests plus an overall champion. That is 12 ways to win and 100% payback. And they also have the second half Super Contest reboot. They also have back by popular demand the winner-take-all $5,000 entry Super Contest Gold. You can sign up for both of those uh, contests right now. And they have another one as far as win totals. Andy will explain. Uh, sign up now through September the 10th. So literally you're running out of time because today is the 8th and it's almost over. So you better get signed up by tomorrow. Super Contest only at the world-famous Westgate Superbook. Andy Isco. Appreciate you waiting that long. I had to get all these uh, notes in and scores and all that good stuff. What did you? What was your take as far as the Bills and the Rams, uh, which went up, uh, you know, flirted uh, to three a couple places, then ended up closing at two, total of 52 at the Westgate and pretty much two all around town here in Vegas. Did you do anything with the game and, uh, and your take? Because I thought Buffalo was very impressive outside of shooting themselves in the foot with some turnovers. Let me just make a couple of comments about the uh, Super Contest. I believe the time to enter the uh, season win totals has passed because I believe you had to have it in before the start of tonight's game because the Bills right. and uh, uh, Rams are both obviously one of the two of the 32 teams that you'd be picking. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you is if you wanted to share your aliases with the public. Uh, yeah, that's uh, okay. So the reason I'm picking the first one is because Christy and I, are, our youngest daughter, Jordan, uh, she had no clue who Jethro Bodine was. And the reason I referenced it is because Christina, she's a great cook, great cook, great baker. And a lot of times when I'm down there, like I'll, I'll drive down. And so on the weekend, she'll give me like these portions that are like claim jumper size portions or Jethro Bodine size portions. So I told her, I said, well, why next time just put it in a Jethro Bodine bowl, you know, uh, like Paul Bunyan. So Jordan, our youngest, 15 years old, had no idea about the Beverly Hillbillies. So I explained it. Yep. I explained it to her. And uh, then, of course, so Jethro Bodine became one of our entries. And then, of course, growing up, 
one of my favorite groups, Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull. So I figured, let me stay with the Jethro theme there. So Jethro Bodine and Jethro Tull are two entries in the Westgate contest with myself. And and I, I stayed with the Beverly Hillbillies theme and went with Granny for Possum Queen. Yeah, I remember that one. I, I do remember that one. Well, that's Granny. This year. Granny, Granny was great. No, no, yeah. but I remember I that. I, another Beverly Hills reference a few right. years ago. Uh, but speaking about food, I think you could say the Rams came out pretty much flat like a pancake tonight. Uh, uh, very surprised uh, at the issues that they had with their offensive line. Yeah, they did have retirements, et cetera. But uh, Buffalo, Buffalo played like it was a Super Bowl. because They were very intense. They made a couple of errors, one of which was not Josh Allen's fault. But, you know, I wouldn't be so quick to write off the Rams because – I don't think they're going to face a team any better than Buffalo all season. I agree with that 100%. There's no doubt they missed Von Miller, and Buffalo reaps the benefits of having Von Miller. He was disruptive, had a couple sacks, tackles for loss, four solo tackles. And so, you know, you take a team like the Rams that won the Super Bowl and then a team like Buffalo who's been knocking on the door to get to the Super Bowl the last several years. And so one or two tweaks can make the difference. Again, health is big. 17-game season is a long season, but I really think if this Buffalo team does stay you know, pretty well intact and uh, healthy, that they are going to be the team to beat in the AFC. I don't think that if Buffalo played this way, in uh, if they had made it to the Super Bowl and played this way, they would have won the Super Bowl. I, I, it'd be very difficult to see any team that could have beaten Buffalo the way that they played tonight. And you know, that's not an overreaction because we, first of all, they're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They've been close the last few years, and we know how talented team this team is. And uh, you know, Josh Allen still—it's hard to say he's maturing and developing, but we—I don't think we've seen his best yet. So you know, he's only what his fourth, fifth year in the league, and uh, that defense which was outstanding last year, made some key additions, and you mentioned one of the the, the huge keys, Von Miller. This is going to be a, a very difficult team to defeat. They're not going 17-0 in the regular season. You know, every team will have a slip-up somewhere, and even that, that assumes, of course, even full health, but you really hope for the sake of, of football excellence that this team does not suffer much in the way in, of, of injury because uh, uh, this, this team is very impressive on both sides of football. Yeah, no doubt, and that's what I'd like to see. I'd really like to see all these teams, you know, in the NFL, and, and we, we hope for it. It doesn't ever happen, but you hope that, you know, what you're looking at on paper, 53-man roster going into the season, that those rosters, you know, stay to where guys are going to make it through the season. Because when By you, way, look, you asked which side I was on tonight, I was on the Rams. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's several people that I know that uh, did the, did the number hit three for you? Because I know it was two and a half. I never saw it hit three. My thought was if it did hit three, and it would have occurred earlier in the week because it did come in. Money did come in on uh, the Rams today. If it did hit three during the week, I think it would have been for just that one bet. What about teasers? I would think the Rams plus eight and a half would have been a, a, a popular teaser. Uh, most likely, yes, because you're, you, you're very few instances where you would consider teasing across zero. That's almost a cardinal rule that you don't uh, tease across zero, or certainly you adjust uh, your confidence level if you do. Uh, but it's also difficult, uh, uh, you know, if you're doing like a, uh, uh, well, you could tease both sides, or you could have teased sides and to- side and total here. But uh, hopefully, people didn't play a teaser tonight, uh, unless they, uh, you know, well, they would have had a tease uh, the Rams to the uh, to the to the under, uh, but that's what happens with an isolated game. More likely, people who did tease tonight's game, and I would say the majority probably would have, uh, you know, 
recreational bidders may have teased uh, Buffalo because they like them so much, but the people who do uh, study teasers and, and do that quite a bit as part of their portfolio would have more likely have been, uh, well, I'm not going to say it. They may have played a seven-point teaser to get over that nine, but certainly being over seven and eight with the two and a half, they, they might have done that and tied that into one of the Sunday games. So uh, either they concede the loss or, well, they take the loss, and then they uh, just, you know, rebet the other teasers on Sunday. All right, so I grabbed everything from Westgate yesterday. Uh, you were there, of course. We met up, and I just love to watch uh, the way these things start out, and then you know, like win totals, and then you see them adjust and move forward based on what people are watching preseason wise. Uh, the Raiders eight and a half minus one fifty as of yesterday at the Westgate, and again they open up Sunday at LA against the Chargers. Andy, what's your take on the Raiders going into the season? It's another team that's got a very difficult schedule. They open with the Chargers. They get Arizona here uh, next Sunday, the home opener. Then they go to Tennessee. They're home against Denver. And then they go to Kansas City for a Monday night. So those first five games, you know, they're, you're looking at four teams that potentially could be making the postseason themselves. Josh McDaniels in his first year. What about this Raider team as far as what you're seeing on paper and uh, – you know, what you're hearing around town. And, of course, I, I've been to a bunch of the practices so uh, and getting some good insight from a lot of the guys that are there every day. Well, the, the key is, is is almost true for every team is offensive line play and protecting your quarterback, Derek Carr. Uh, he's got his new toy uh, at wide receiver to play with this year, so that should open up what was a, a very good offense last year. It also should open up a running game, which is always uh, a concern. Uh, the defense, uh, I thought they played for the most part as expected last year, meaning better than the previous two years when they were really uh, not playing very well, especially down the stretch. And it's a team that won uh, 10 games last year. Uh, eight and a half, I thought might have been a little cheap on them, but that's reflected by the minus 150. At nine, uh, at nine wins, I would have thought a little bit more, but I still would have preferred the over. Uh, I do think this team has improved overall. Uh, you do have a new coaching staff in there, so uh, that may take a period of time to adjust, but at the same time, other teams have to adjust for the Raiders coaching staff changes as well. So it's not just a one-way street there. So uh, I'm not one who generally likes to lay the 150 on, on a wager that's going to tie your, your money up for five-plus months. Uh, but if I were to play it either way, I'd have to go with the over 8.5. Yeah, and I did. I played it back when it was 8.5 even money. And uh, then I played it again at minus 110, eight and a half, minus 110. So I got it over twice. Uh, Division-wise, I got the Raiders plus 800 to win the AFC West. Uh, currently, it was at plus 525, the Raiders to win the AFC West. Broncos plus 285. They opened at plus 240. Chargers opened at plus 225. They've actually gotten money, so they're plus 215. And KC opened at plus 175. They are up now to plus 195. Uh, value still, you know, to me on the Raiders because I just don't see that much separation between the Raiders and the other three teams. Well, I, you know, I, 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 I'm bearish on Denver. I'm not sure how good their season is going to be, so I'm surprised 
that those odds are not that far off from the uh, uh, the Chiefs and the, especially the Chargers, and that there is that big of a gap. And I think that's what a lot of people are seeing that gap, and that's why that eight to one that you got early in the uh, betting cycle is down under uh, six to one. I don't know that it's necessary or a, a reflection of their actual chances of winning as much as it is a re- the, the movement is a reflection of that, as it is a reflection to the huge gap that existed. Because I think at the end of last season, and especially when Russell Wilson went over to Denver, notwithstanding my concerns about Denver, you're talking about, you know, arguably top to bottom, the, the best division as far as quarterbacks are concerned in the league. Yeah, no question. That's a good point right there. Okay, so let's uh, look at the schedule coming up on Sunday, and then we've got the one Monday night game. Uh, You talked about Denver. They're going to Seattle. Let's just start there real quick with the Monday night game. Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Uh, It's going to be fun. And Ty Lockett saying, you know, his former receiver, hey, you know, I, I think the fans are going to be appreciative of what Russell Wilson gave to this city uh, I would think that's the way it's going to be prior to kickoff, but then I'm sure the uh, Seahawks fans are going to be optimistic, even though Geno Smith's the guy at the helm, and and uh, hope that their Seahawks can upset Denver. But what's your take on that game with Russell Wilson going back? Sometimes you get so jacked up, Andy. You know, to uh, you're so psyched to go back somewhere and and just take care of business, and uh, sometimes it doesn't always work out the way you think it is, or the way that uh, that we think it is on paper. What's your take there on that game Monday night? Probably a game I'm not, uh, and I haven't yet, and I probably won't consider playing unless I come up with something on the total, which likely for me would be more under, uh, towards the under than the uh, than the over. Uh, as much as I'm not as thrilled with Denver as a lot of people are, they are the more talented football team. You know, when you go up and down the roster, and a lot of that does start with quarterback. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson is uh, certainly uh, up there. You have a lot of opinions on him, but you certainly can make a case for him being amongst the top half dozen or so quarterbacks uh, in the league. Uh, going up against uh, you know a journeyman in Geno and Geno Smith, and you know uh, the others uh, behind him, uh, which uh, has an impact overall in the game plan, etc. Uh, there is uh, some animosity there. Between Russell Wilson, who you know we we found out uh, we knew it for a long time, but I think it was uh, officially stated stated by uh, his camp. You know he felt uh, Coach Carroll did him wrong a couple of years ago, a few years ago when he was on pace to uh, uh, perhaps be the MVP of the league. And I'm not quite sure exactly all of what that entails, but it probably would have meant I'm going to say maybe a half million to a million dollar bonus if he did win the MVP award. So uh, that I think explains a lot of the uh, disenchantment between, or well, certainly from Wilson's part, uh, with Pete Carroll. But you know, Pete Carroll's an established coach. He's uh, I think he's had only one season uh, where he won like fewer than seven games, and that was I think in his uh, first year, it was either seven or six wins. His win total this year is five and a half. And I'm not sure the talent is there, especially in the NFC West, uh, where you've got to like all three uh, uh, opponents, division opponents, Rams, Cardinals, and 49ers, uh, to contend for, if not the Western title. If, you know, I don't know what you think about uh, Arizona in there, but uh, you know they were seven and zero last year, and then you know things start to fall apart. And they start the season without Hopkins, but it's going to be difficult for Seattle in their division games, and then you know, we're going to see a lot of uh, non-division wins. So. It's going to be, I think, a, a tough year for uh, for Seattle. Uh, but Pete Carroll is a veteran coach, and he'll be able to make adjustments. He knows what he's walking into this year. Uh, who gets the big effort on, uh, uh, you know, 
does Seattle want to prove that they can win without Russell Wilson? Or does Russell Wilson want to say, hey, you know, I told you I'm a better quarterback than you thought I was or you, you wanted me to be in the last couple of years. So too many non-football-related questions because I think on the surface, to me, that looks like a big number for Denver to be laying on the road. Um, because, again, Pete Carroll, background defense, he knows the strengths, he knows the weaknesses of Russell Wilson, and could probably devise a game plan around those strengths and weaknesses. Um, but I'm not sure I can feel comfortable playing Seattle because they are not the better team in this game. All right, so I uh, want to get to uh, all these NFL games, so let's just jump around here and uh, and get your take uh, in a minute or two on these games. The Jets are at home, MetLife. We know Joe Flacco now will start against his old team, the Baltimore Ravens, a Ravens team that – you know, they've got talent, there's no question. And Lamar Jackson trying to uh, get to the promised land. We know how solid an athlete he is. Can he put it together? He's got one of the better tight ends in Mark Andrews. Uh, Nick Boyle's another good tight end they've got in a good, solid running game. And J.K. Dobbins hopefully can stay healthy. Uh, Rashad Bateman comes in there from Minnesota. So there's some weapons there. Uh, but they did give up, you know, uh, Hollywood Brown to Arizona. So uh, your take on this Baltimore Ravens team, and they're laying seven against the Jets, total of 44. That's a big number to be laying on the road, but unlike uh, Denver, I do like what I see with Baltimore. And I've seen, I've always liked John Harbaugh as coach way back in the days when, uh, before he got the job, when he was special teams coach, I believe, with the Eagles before he uh, got to the head spot in uh, in Baltimore. You know, with the Super Bowl and all that, with uh, Joe Flacco, who's now going to be starting the first few weeks for the Jets. So once again, you know, Flacco's tendencies are well known. His strengths and weaknesses are well known, and they've got a the uh, better football team. Remember, Baltimore was on path to perhaps be the number one seed in the AFC two-thirds of the way into the season last year. Uh, they lost a couple of games, and then uh, Lamar Jackson went down and missed the final, I think, four games of the season. So they went from a potential number one seed to uh, uh, to not making the playoffs. And then you consider all the injuries they had at running back even before the season started last year. So uh, this Baltimore team uh, is a team that has been very resilient, and unfortunately the injuries caught up with them last year especially when Jackson went down because he's so vital uh, to the uh, uh, the offense. I don't know what to expect uh, from the Jets this year. Clearly, Zach Wilson was expected to be the starting quarterback before his injury. He's going to be back uh, by, the, uh, by the, I think, the end of September. Uh, I would have to play Baltimore if I were going to play, but what I might likely do is look at Baltimore in a teaser with a couple of other of those uh, you know, nice-sized favorites. There you go. Baltimore minus one on a six-point teaser. Uh, a lot of people will be playing that. We heard that last night. That'll from be Art. a survivor contest play. Yeah, Art Dice last night was uh, saying that he thought that would be the one game that they would be overloaded with teasers as that, far as the I Ravens. think San Francisco. There you go. All right. Well, the Saints and Falcons, Saints are holding steady at 5.5. Total is 43, up a point since the Open, and I like the over in the game. I think Atlanta's going to be better than people think. I did play them over their win total of 4.5. Uh, when it dropped down to four and a half. I like this New Orleans team as well, but I don't know what I'm going to get from Michael Thomas yet. Uh, And Alvin Kamara, again, there's a chance that he may actually sidestep a suspension until next year from what I've been reading. Uh, They also have Marcus May on defense, and, you know, he's uh, brandishing a gun to uh, an SUV full of girls, but uh, nothing's come down yet, so they – We'll wait and see if anything happens during this season, but they may have a couple guys that uh, will be able to play and maybe suspend it next year. I like Marcus Mariota. You know that. I like Cordero Patterson out of the backfield. Uh, Not 
and he, and I mean, Kyle Pitts, one of the best young tight ends in the game. And then so you're going to need production from Drake London coming in there. They're a number one pick from USC. Brian Edwards, who comes over from the Raiders. And then the defense trying to hold its own. I don't know if the defense will be able to stop people, but maybe they can slow down some teams. I didn't touch this game, but I do have the Falcons over four and a half. Uh, I also like the Saints. If I were going to play the Saints win total, I'd play that over as well. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the over four and a half on the Falcons. I think Mariota makes a huge difference. Not that uh, Matty Ryan uh, was, you know, a horrible quarterback. He's not, but uh, Mariota gives that uh, running dimension. Uh, he's, I think he's, uh, if I remember correctly, something like, uh, and, and this is in like 200-something rushes in his career, his average six yards per rush, and I don't know how much of that is also figured into kneel downs at the end of the few games that Mariota's teams, you know, may have been running out the clock. So I do like that dimension, and yeah, they lost, uh, you know, some receivers. But uh, uh, this team, they were so one-sided balanced. I think you go back the last four years, they're the worst rushing team in the NFL. I don't think they've averaged over 100 yards rushing in at least any of the last four seasons. So I think Mariota does give that offense that additional uh, uh, dimension. So I'd be looking at at Atlanta uh, over the total. I did play it. And I'm going to hold out and see if we can get a six. Uh, on uh, Atlanta, I think uh, the way the public likes to pay, play favorites, especially as we approach game time, we might see that uh, uh, six. And if so, I will be on the uh, on the Atlanta side. All right. So the Dolphins at home, and uh, let me just update: there is a 33 percent chance of rain there in Miami. Always seems around this time. Uh, 11 mile per hour winds. The only other three games where weather could be inclement will be San Francisco at Chicago. 71 percent chance of rain there in the Windy City. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, 71% chance of rain in Cincy. And the Giants at Tennessee, 95% chance of rain. And again, things may change by the time Sunday rolls around. But these are your outdoor stadiums. There'll be plenty of rain where the games will be indoors, so it won't affect them. Uh, But there'll be plenty of rain in some of these other areas, including uh, the Atlanta area. Uh, Patriots and Dolphins. Dolphins up to three and a half. Uh, They're nicked up on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm betting on this team uh, as I did win total over eight and a half and played them again over nine. I'm very high on this Miami team, and I'm higher on Tua Tugavailoa than most people because I feel that he's back from the two injuries that devastated him uh, near the end of his college career at Alabama, especially the one against Mississippi State. I think he's you know got that lateral movement back, and they have Teddy Bridgewater as a nice security blanket there. Uh, Skylar Thompson also they kept him on the roster, and he's done an, he did a nice job there out of Kansas State, the rookie. But Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, Cedric Wilson Jr., and then uh, Mike Kosicki. You bring in Chase Ed. In the backfield, you have Raheem Mostert back as well, Miles Gaskin. So there's a lot of weapons there for Miami. The defense just needs to uh, slow teams down, and I think Miami's going to outscore a lot of these teams. I think they win 10 minimum, and I think they probably win you know, 11 games if uh, things fall right for them. This is an early season important game in the AFC East to see who's going to, I won't say challenge second, but more likely finish second to, uh, or challenge Buffalo, but finish second to Buffalo in the division. And I know the whole world is down on New England this year with all the losses. You talked about them. I know uh, last night I think I heard the show, and I think and previously we talked about the retirement of James White, who was so vital to the uh, uh, to the Patriots, certainly in the form of a leadership role in addition to what he was able to do on the football field. Uh, you know, Belichick 
last year they went 10 and 7, made the playoffs, did so behind a rookie quarterback with uh, Mac Jones, and you don't find too many uh, uh, teams uh, having that kind of success with uh, uh, a rookie quarterback. I, uh, Jones came in with a decent reputation, but he was not. A, he did not come out of college with the reputation, for example, of an Andrew Luck. So I mean, where he was expected to, you know, be brilliant right out of the out of the, out of the box. Uh, Belichick's always had uh, uh, an ability throughout his years of making in-season adjustments to personnel. So the fact that they lost some people gives him an opportunity to uh, promote guys who he's liked. He seems to have been pleased. I don't put any stock in what we saw in the preseason, especially with veteran coaches who know the purpose of preseason is getting set for the regular season. Wins and losses don't mean anything. Uh, people say, yeah, you want to get a winning attitude. You, Bill Belichick doesn't need a winning attitude. They, his team knows what, what he's about. So I actually saw this game touch four earlier. Uh, I think it was either earlier today or last night, and I think it jumped back. Uh, I'm going against the grain, but I will be taking uh, the um, the Patriots plus at least the three and a half. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing. Devontae Parker, uh, he's going to go into that game, you know, wanting to show Miami something too because he felt he got slighted when they acquired Cedric Wilson. Uh, you know, the Tyree Kill thing, you cannot question that move yeah. by Miami, but I, I think he felt slighted, and uh, so he went on to New England. They have Jacoby Meyer still, Nelson Aguilar. We saw what he did here in Vegas. He's been very consistent the last few years, so they have enough weapons. Can Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, can those guys produce out of the backfield? Hunter Henry, we know this guy's got a ton of potential to be an excellent tight end, and they have Jonu Smith as well, who was a hell of a tight end for Tennessee for a while. So uh, can the defense hold their own, and uh, can those skill position players come through? If they do, and Mac Jones has time to throw, you're right, New England could be right there. They could do what I anticipate Miami doing, and that is be that second-best team to Buffalo in the East, but also make the playoffs. Well, the, th- the key to Miami is going to be two. And I wonder just how many off-season, I don't know, fishing trips or whatever, uh, Belichick had with his buddy Nick Saban, uh, where they could go over both the performance of both Tua and Mac Jones, who played behind one, who played one before the other at Alabama and picking apart the strengths and weaknesses and especially the differences in the games of both of those quarterbacks. Uh, you know, when Nick Saban knows something about, uh, you know, both of those quarterbacks and passing on some knowledge, although Belichick have obviously had seen Tua in the past. So, remember, he's also had five months to prepare for this game. Last year was an interesting game. Uh, Miami uh, swept the Patriots. They won the first game. I think it was when there was a New England fumble late in the fourth quarter that would have set up a winning field goal. So, uh, that was a, uh, a, a close game last year. That, I believe, was up in New England. Then the Miami won the rematch at the end of the season. New England still uh, made the playoffs, and Miami fell up a little bit short. And Miami, of course, had that unusual season. I think that if you are a Miami fan, uh, and Tua is able to to play well, you'll have some good value with Tua and Miami as the season develops and as as people get more comfortable with Tua's abilities. All right, so Stefanski's guys without uh, Deshaun Watson, at least until week 12 when they go to Houston, uh, they're going to go with Jacoby Brissett to start. Now, Joshua Dobbs, and they picked up Kellen Mond, who was cut by Minnesota. There's your quarterback trio for the Cleveland Browns. But Amari Cooper comes over from Dallas. They have Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, who we liked a lot in college over there at Purdue. Uh, and Joko's a good, solid tight end, and the running game is really good. Now, their offensive line, pretty much intact 
over the last several years. But Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, Dearness Johnson, that is an outstanding trio of running backs, Andy. What's your take on Cleveland? We know the defense is formidable with Garrett Miles and Jadavian Clowney on that. Or Miles Garrett, I should say, I'm sorry. And uh, Jadavian Clowney on the uh, defensive line. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good, solid Cleveland nucleus. But what about the quarterback position? What can we expect from Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, by the way, just going back to that Patriots game, uh, I'm guessing Belichick is going to, if, if Miami's going to beat Belichick, Miami's going to have to run the ball because I think he's going to, his defense will be designed to take away Tua in the passing game. As far as Cleveland and Carolina goes, I like Carolina in this spot. Obviously, you got Baker Mayfield uh, going up against uh, uh, his former team with uh, quite a bit to prove. I think the team mismanaged him last year when he played through a lot of injuries. Uh, remember, just two years ago when he was healthy, he led the uh, uh, the Browns into the playoffs and a huge win over Pittsburgh in that opening uh, round divisional game. So uh, it was the same quarterback last year, except last year uh, he was injured and played through a lot of it. Uh, but the two things uh, that I'm doing, and I'm playing against Cleveland because I'm not thrilled with Jacoby Brissett and all the uh, uh, time it took away uh, as a distraction throughout the, the offseason and the, uh, tr- and the, uh, the, the preseason the training camp, etc. Cleveland does have an outstanding running game, of course. And I think that'll be the focus of their offense against uh, Carolina. So maybe they won't ask Brissett to do uh, all too much. Uh, for me, for Carolina, uh, the key is going to be, as it will be throughout the season, the health of Christian McCaffrey. When he's healthy, Carolina's a pretty decent football team. When he's not, well, they were 5-11 and 11 two years ago, 5-12 and 12 last year. And I think McCaffrey played, I think, just seven games in one of those seasons and three games uh, in the other. That's how valuable he is. Uh, to that team. So uh, um, depending upon the health of McCaffrey, Carolina could be, well, you're not going to be an 8-8 eight eight team anymore, but basically a 500 team. But if he goes down, and with that recent history, uh, you have to factor that in, uh, that uh, Carolina could have another uh, debilitating season. Uh, I'm on uh, Carolina laying the short one and a half. I'm not quite sure why the line dropped by a full point today. It was two and a half yesterday, so some money did come in on Cleveland. I think when you look at the Cleveland defense, it's the uh, uh, more talented of the two defenses and the, and the good running game, but I think that uh, Carolina uh, will somewhat do the same thing like Belichick, and they're going to key on the uh, well, somewhat in the sense of stopping one phase of the game. I think uh, Carolina's going to force Jacoby Brissett to beat them. All right, not only that, it's continued to drop. It's a pick em game now at the Westgate. Panthers and Browns pick em total of 42. Yeah, unless there's an injury I'm not aware of yet, uh, that's uh, that's surprising this much time before uh, game time. Yeah. Uh, Steelers and Bengals. Bengals at home minus 6.5, 44.5. We know uh, Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky, is going to get the start. He's been named captain as well. I think Pittsburgh is going to be better than people think. I know Chuck Edel came on last night, and Chuck is – uh, you know, he's a Bears guy, and he's an anti-Trubisky guy. Uh, I think Trubisky's got potential. I, I do. I, I, I want to see him with Pittsburgh because he doesn't have to do a ton. The defense is very solid. Nick Fitzpatrick got the nice extension. Uh, he'll lead that defense. And, you know, they've got Najee Harris, who's a workhorse. Chase Claypool, to me, is a big-time receiver on the rise. And uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to be better. Now, this game... I don't know, because I respect Joe Burrow, and uh, I respect the Bengals a lot as well. I think Zach Taylor's done a real nice job there, and, of course, they're coming off going to the Super Bowl. Where are you on this one with Cincinnati minus 6.5, 44.5 the total? Yeah, 
I've gone back and forth on this one, which means I probably won't play it. Certainly, I'd like to see plus seven if I'm going to consider uh, Pittsburgh in this game. Uh, it's a rivalry game. It's you know a long-standing series between these two franchises, and you know Pittsburgh's had the upper hand for most of the past uh, well, 50-something years that uh, they've been uh, division rivals. Uh, but uh, of course, Pittsburgh. We you know Pittsburgh's being downgraded. But keep in mind, they're being downgraded off a season in which their quarterback, the key player on the team, uh, you know, Ben, uh, uh, you know, Big Ben, uh, hadn't played really all that well the last few seasons. So uh, maybe the, over, the there's an overreaction to his re- being replaced. Now maybe some of it is negative to Trubisky, but we've seen quarterbacks uh, go from uh, a failure in one location uh, to success in other locations. I'm not saying that uh, that you should expect that from Trubisky, but I'm saying it's not beyond the realm of possibility that we see him perform well in a new system with uh, you know a different uh, different franchise, different organization. Uh, probably won't play the game. I know Cincinnati should come out very excited, you know, wanting to erase the memory of uh, their tough Super Bowl loss last year and prove that they are not just a one-season wonder, something that a number of Super Bowl losers have not been able to do uh, the following year. But they addressed uh, one of the key issues, and that's keeping uh, uh, keeping Joe Burrow upright. I think the offensive line play will uh, be evident. Whether it will be against Pittsburgh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but it just seems like it's a big it's a big number for Cincinnati to lay against a team that I think, while admittedly they deserve to be downgraded, I don't think that Pittsburgh deserves to be downgraded as much as they are. All right. Uh, 49ers at Bears, Windy City. 49ers, even money, minus seven right now. Forty and a half is the total. It has dipped at a few places, faraway places, including Bookmaker, to six and a half with the 49ers favorite. And you said you thought that a lot of people would be on the Niners and the teaser. Uh, then there's others that, to me, are not sold on Trey Lance. If, uh, you know, Shanahan, you know, probably looking back, all those picks that he traded to move up and get Trey Lance. Doesn't seem like he's really that sure, or the organization's not that sure. They didn't move Garoppolo. I don't know how hard they tried as, uh, you know, training camp was going on. I don't know if they feel that Lance is ready to really make a dent with this team. Well, the key to me is that they did not trade Garoppolo because there was a lot of uncertainty about who was going to be Lance's backup. And, you know, Garoppolo's, you know, he led the 49ers to a fourth quarter lead in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh, so he's got the experience, and that's something that Trey Lance uh, lacks, but he's got a lot of the physical tools and apparently, you know, the mental and intangible qualities as well that you look for in an on field leader. Uh, and so if, if for whatever reason he struggles on Sunday, hopefully Shannon and won't uh, feel uh, uh, you know, that he has to stick with him, that he'll go if it's an opportunity to win the game, to put Garoppolo and his experience in there. And I had been down on the 49ers throughout much of the offseason and certainly over the course of the summer because of that unsettled quarterback situation, because that's never a very good thing when uh, you're not sure who you're st- – well, they had named uh, Lance a starter, but you weren't sure about who the backup was going to be. Now that uncertainty is, is – behind them, and they can have confidence that one of those two quarterbacks on a regular basis, and it may be an alternate regular basis, will be able to produce. We know the talent that they have on offense, and we know they have a very decent defense. Uh, again, I don't like laying big numbers on the road, but if I had to play Chicago or San Francisco, certainly at seven and not seven and a half, I'd be on San Francisco, but I think I would feel much more comfortable teasing them down to just win the game. Yeah, tease them down to one and uh, tease them down with the Ravens to one. That's probably going to be one of the most popular yeah, you teasers. you got two playoff 
caliber teams who are expected to, to contend and have a lot of recent playoff experience in Baltimore and San Francisco going up against teams that are not expected to even contend for, uh, for, a, you know, for basically an eight or nine win season. It's a good situation, especially in the first game of the season where everybody's coming out there uh, you know, with high hopes and want to put forth their, their best effort to start the season. Now, as I say, with tonight, when you've got Buffalo and the Rams, when two good teams meet, one good team is going to lose, and I don't necessarily downgrade them. Just like when two bad teams meet, uh, one bad team has to win, and I don't necessarily upgrade that team off that win. But when you've got a very good team against what's considered a very bad team, uh, especially starting the season, I prefer, I prefer to be on the very good team. And if I can't play them because the number is too high, and I can tease them because you still uh, get uh, above a pick'em or no lower than a pick'em, you don't cross the pick'em, uh, I prefer that. All right. That's, uh, that's just general philosophy. All right. So we got about 11 minutes, and we've got about nine games to go. And I want to touch on Friday's college football. There's two games for Friday. Uh, real quick, Eagles and Lions, Jalen Hurts and company, minus 449 against a team that everybody's been watching on Hard Knocks. How good is this Detroit team going to be? Chris Wynn said, I'll be happy if we win seven games. And I think that's probably, you know, the ceiling, according to uh, most people that even expect this team to improve with Aiden Hutchinson coming over. Uh, DeAndre Swift, another year under his belt. Jared Goff looking to redeem himself and and show that he's got something. Uh, And then the, you know, the Lions at home against the Eagles with Jalen Hurts coming in. I mean, there's no question Philadelphia thinks they are the team to beat in the NFC East. And uh, they went out and got A.J. Brown from Tennessee. That's a big-time receiver. Defense looks pretty good. What about Philadelphia? Detroit, Philly, minus four at Detroit, total of 49. No, number seems right. Uh, I'm not quite sure uh, if the enthusiasm will be as evident this year for Detroit as it was last year. Remember the opening game last year? I think they hosted San Francisco, and they were, they were down like 38-13. And they made a nice comeback to at least make it a respectable final score under Dan Campbell in his first game as head coach. And they played for this coach all year last year, and I expect more of the same this year. Philadelphia took a lot of, uh, a lot of people by surprise last year with a new uh, uh, you know, the first-year coach in Sirianni and, uh, you know, a starting quarterback officially uh, given the job in, in Jalen Hurts. Uh, and they played extremely well and had an outstanding running game this year, and I expect more of the same this year. It's a tough game because I'm going to be looking for places to play on each of these teams this year. Uh, maybe I would look over the total because I think both offenses have the capability of, be, of being the better part of the two units on the team, but most likely I, I will pass that one. All right, Indy coming off that loss last year to end the season in Jacksonville, which cost him a playoff spot. They're minus seven against the Houston Texans. Davis Mills will get the start there for the Texans. And uh, Lovey Smith back as a head coach in the NFL. The Colts, of course, transitioning. Matt Ryan coming over from the Atlanta Falcons. Jonathan Taylor, maybe the best rack, uh, running back in the league. And you've got Michael Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce now coming over on that receiving core. And uh, the defense pretty solid as well. Your take on this one, Frank Reich and Indy going into Houston, minus seven, forty-five and a half. I wonder how much pressure is on Frank Reich. He's uh, been in situations to make the playoffs in recent years, and his team has, uh, you know, faded in the final weeks of the season. So there's a little bit of pressure, I think, there. And I know a number of people are on the uh, Texans in this game. It's another one uh, that I'm not going to play based on talent. It would be another team that you would consider uh, as part of a teaser, teasing the Colts down. Down to minus one, or even pick them if you do a seven-point uh, uh, teaser, um, or you know, minus a half at six and a half uh, point teaser. Uh, 
Uh, I'm not sold on any improvement or much improvement from uh, the Texans this year. They've had a depleted roster over the last few seasons on both sides of the football. For, Indian, for Indianapolis, uh, well, Matty Ryan, I, I still think he's got some football in him. He's certainly an upgrade, at least based upon the last uh, several years over Carson Wentz. So I think Indianapolis has to like that, uh, that aspect that should make the offense even uh, more potent and more consistent. And uh, a lot of that will be with the, uh, uh, the, the elevation of the passing game uh, resulting in uh, an even better running game with uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, again, this is one team that I would consider using in a, a two-team uh, teaser. Um, if I had to choose between the two, uh, I, would, I would prefer Indianapolis as the better team, but I would do so uh, reluctantly. It's still hard to get out of, out of my mind uh, how Indianapolis felt at Jacksonville a few years ago in the opening game of the season as a big road favorite, and it was Jacksonville's only win of the season. All right. I've uh, got about a minute for each one of the games left now. Uh, let's see. We've got Jaguars and Commanders. And uh, first name, first first year there with the nickname, the Commanders Carson Wentz at the helm there for Washington and Ron Rivera, and then Jacksonville making a lot of moves, bringing over Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones Jr. So plenty of weapons now for Trevor Lawrence. Can he get time? He's got his old mate Travis Etienne from Clemson in the backfield. What's your take on this one, Jacksonville? Right now, catching two and a half in D.C. against Washington, forty-four the total. Yeah, as much as I uh, put down uh, Carson Wentz in my last uh, analysis of Indianapolis, uh, I kind of like him in this spot. I think Jacksonville's going to be an improved team. I think we're going to see much more of the talent out of uh, uh, Lawrence uh, than we saw last year. It was a toxic situation from the start with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Uh, I know their win total is up to 6.5. I don't know that they can quite get that, but I think Jacksonville is another one of those teams that as the season progresses will feel a little bit more confident playing Jacksonville because I think the improvement uh, will be evident. But right now in this spot, in this, in this situation, even with a new quarterback in Washington, I prefer to lay under a field goal with the commanders. Arizona's going to catch us, uh, six points from Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Again, uh, Arizona without Hopkins, as you said, for the first six games. But Marquise Brown comes over, have A.J. Green back, and a banged-up Rondale Moore, who we know has talent, James Conner in the backfield. Uh, J.J. Watt, the old man leading that defense. Uh, they did lose, of course, uh, one of their one of their keys on defense that comes over uh, to help the Raiders out, Chandler Jones. So uh, your take here as we've got the Chiefs minus six fifty three and a half from Arizona. Well, you've got uh, proven coach and Andy Reid. You've got uh, healthy Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he's going to miss Tyreek Hill, but he's got other receivers that uh, will ultimately fill the road. It's kind of like Aaron Rodgers. He loses an outstanding receiver uh, every few years, and they replace him and get another uh, guy who develops into an outstanding receiver. Don't know that that'll happen this year with Kansas City, but I think you'll you'll see decent production out of that uh, of that offense. I'd prefer to be with uh, uh, Kansas City in this game, and I might look over the total. All right. Then we've got Raiders and Chargers. Of course, there's a huge one for both teams. I think even bigger for the Chargers because they've got a Thursday night game coming up at Kansas City. Don't want to lose the opener at home to the Raiders, but the Raiders should be well represented there in L.A. Uh, Derek Carr and company looking pretty solid preseason going 4-0, but that doesn't mean Jack. It's the real season now. Chargers minus 3.5, 52 the total against the new-look Raiders. 
Yeah, and I think the, the Raiders have an improved roster over the last year. Uh, Chargers, I really do like their defense, and I, I like their offense as well. But, you know, there's that familiarity between the two franchises. Uh, wouldn't be surprised by uh, a, a comfortable Charger win, but if I were going to play the game, because I think this is a pretty even game on a neutral field, I'll take the three and a half with the Raiders. There you go. Packers and Vikings should be a good one as well, and it's a big game for Minnesota more so because no Devontae Adams for uh, the pack, and then Zadarius Smith switching uniforms. So he'll be playing for Minnesota, a key part of that Green Bay defense over the last several years. Packers minus one and a half in Minnesota. I really think if Minnesota wins this game, they're going to set the tone to make the playoffs if they stay healthy. Your take on this one? Well, you have a new coach in Minnesota, and unlike uh, Mike Zimmer, who came with a, a defensive background, uh, their new coach comes from uh, you know, an offensive background, and you've got to like the offensive talent on this uh, Minnesota team. I'm not one to write off Aaron Rodgers right yet, so even though he doesn't have Devontae Adams, he does have some other capable uh, receivers. Um, I, I, I can understand why the line is as low as it is. I don't know if they're factoring too much into the departure of Adams for making Green Bay just the very slightest of favorites. So I may not take a position on the side. I might look more towards the over. There you go. Sammy Watkins coming over. Alan Lazard will be the main guy. Randall Cobb's still there. Uh, see if he could get uh, back to his old self. But Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, great combination in the backfield. And can Dalvin Cook stay healthy in the backfield and give Kirk Cousins that relief? And then Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is the AFC version of Derek Carr. He's a very good quarterback who doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. There you go. All right, well, we'll see if he can earn it this year. Giants and Titans, Tennessee at home, a little bit banged up, but they have Derek Henry back, Ryan Tannehill running the show right now, Malik Willis backing him up. They got Robert Woods coming over, solid receiver out of Southern Cal that played for the Rams the last few years. And first-round pick, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Very good. Your take on this one, it is the Giants, the G-Men, on the road catching 5.5 at Tennessee, 43.5. And And Daniel Jones, can he get it together with Saquon Barkley back in the backfield? Kenny Galladay, one of their top receivers. Well, it's almost a similar situation like with Carolina with Saquon Barkley. Uh, if he can stay healthy, the Giants can have a decent season. But I think uh, there's still a lot of questions out on uh, on Daniel Jones and his ability to avoid uh, avoid the turnovers. Uh, I'm not all that thrilled with the roster. There is some potential, but that may take time to develop. Uh, Tennessee is a mature uh, veteran team. Yeah, they do have some losses to replace. I think they're a uh, you know, Rabel's a, a decent coach who got them into the playoffs a number of years. Uh, I think laying under a touchdown in this situation at home, uh, I'll be backing uh, Tennessee. If this line were a little bit higher where it was, it would be another uh, potential teaser team, but not at, not at five and a half. All right, and then the Buccaneers with Brady back at the helm, minus two and a half. Yes, he missed 11 days at training camp. The guy's been there at camp forever, so uh, he knows what's going on. Even though the Buccaneers are a relatively new team, they're in Dallas, Sunday night game. Bucks minus two and a half, fifty and a half, and uh, Dak Prescott going to try and get it together. Michael Gallup needs to stay healthy. They got C.D. Lamb will be their main go-to guy, and Dal- Dalton Schultz to me one of the best tight ends in the in the game. I really like that youngster. Uh, the defense decent for Dallas. Uh, I mean, they're going to be under pressure to win this game. Can they knock off the Bucks? What have twelve wins last year? Yep, and that was with uh, injuries to all around the place. If you had a healthy Prescott 
and a uh, uh, healthy running game. You got the two runners actually. Uh, was it Pollard and uh, and, and Elliott? Um, decent receiving, an improved uh, an improving defense. Um, I think Dallas pulls the upset in this game. It's a minor upset. If you remember last year, they opened the season in Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay another team got off to a nice lead, and Dallas made a very competitive game uh, in the fourth quarter. But they had some injuries last year. It's still a playoff caliber team with a very talented roster. Um, uh, Dallas, I'm going to have on the money line. Uh, maybe I'll go down like I did tonight with Tampa Bay, but, uh, but with, like did with the Rams. But you know, you got offensive line issues for uh, Brady and Tampa Bay. You got a new coach, Todd Bowles, who unlike Bruce Arians is more concerned with defense than offense. One of these years we're going to be right about Tom Brady finally showing his age. Now, it might be five years when he's 50, but there's uh, also a chance it could happen this year when he's 45. Um, good spot for Dallas. Um, Tampa Bay, I played under their season total because I think the rest of the division will be an improving team as they get into divisional play. All right, got about a minute left. Two Friday night games, Louisville at Central Florida, 95% chance of rain there in Orlando, and then Boise State at New Mexico coming off their loss against Oregon State. Louisville my eyes uh, plus five and a half against Central Florida, 61 and a half. Andy, real quick, who do you like? Didn't do anything with that game. I suppose if I were to play it, and of course the weather is a concern, it would be on uh, Central Florida. I went against Louisville last week uh, uh, with uh, Syracuse, and I'm not looking to back uh, Louisville anytime soon. Uh, Boise State, they've developed themselves as a solid program over the last decade and a half. Solid programs usually rebound after efforts like we saw last week at Oregon State. Stepping down in class, it's a big... It's a big number, but coming off of that kind of loss, I prefer Boise State to show their their, their talent advantage. They'll be in an angry mood. There you go. Taylor Green ended up getting in there for Hank Bachmeyer, who struggled early. Green rushed for 102 and two touchdowns, threw for 155 and an interception, but it was Oregon State in control uh, that entire game. It really looked good for Jonathan Smith. Andy Isco, you can follow him on Twitter at VegasAndy711, at VegasAndy711. He's the best. He's my Thursday night throwback Thursday guy. AI, I appreciate you. Next week you'll be in here with Krivsky. Have a great weekend, AI, and thanks for being the you best too, proxy. KT, may all your plays be winning ones. There you go, and may you put them in correctly if they are. <laughs> I'll try. If they're not, then that's okay if you screw up. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, great stuff. As long as they turn into winners, I understand. There now, you we'll, we'll go. do everything well, and uh, we'll do it 18 times this season. There you go. Great stuff from Andy Isco. Louisville Central Florida tomorrow. That's the early game at 4 o'clock. Boise State, New Mexico, the later game. And uh, tomorrow morning, I will be taping the Friday football fiasco with Brad Powers. We'll go through all the Saturday games and the NFL together. We'll do that, and then we'll be back. It'll be on 8 to 10 tomorrow night. Thanks to Angelo here at the studio. Thanks to Andy Isco. Thanks to Wayne Krivsky. Till tomorrow, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM, 720 AM KDWN. I'm Ken Thompson. I've enjoyed it. God bless, folks. Have a great evening. Good night, everybody.